Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's edition of the Albany Update. We're down to the final five weeks of the legislative session, and today I'll tell you about five bills we're watching in the last lap. First, there was motion last week on the Public University Emergency Contraception Education Act. It has members of the pro-life community concerned. There are also indicators that Planned Parenthood and their political allies in Albany are preparing to make a push for mandatory public sex ed before the end of session. Then there is an effort to raise the age of marriage in New York to 18, but leave the age of sexual consent at 17. This creates a conundrum that discourages marital monogamy. And while not likely to see passage anytime soon, we want to make you aware of a bill that would make it a felony to intentionally injure a pregnant woman. Finally, last week there was a debate over assisted suicide legislation. We'll tell you how it went and where you can watch it for yourself. Let's get started. A bill moving in the New York State Senate would promote the use of so-called emergency contraception in New York's public colleges and universities. Senate Bill 5633, sponsored by Senator Kevin Parker, the Public University Emergency Contraception Education Act, would require New York's public colleges and universities to display posters and disseminate informational materials regarding emergency contraception. This bill is unnecessary and ill-advised. Among other flaws, the bill is inaccurate. The use of the term emergency contraception is misleading, given that the drugs referred to within this term can actually block the implementation of a zygote or fertilized egg within a woman's uterus. Similarly, the bill calls for students to be informed that emergency contraception cannot and does not cause abortions, when from a scientific perspective, such drugs can and do cause early abortions. The legislation is also one-sided. If the state of New York wishes to use its public colleges and universities to promote public health messages about sex and pregnancy, it should tell the whole story. Such messages should include information on the dozens of sexually transmitted diseases in the United States, recent increases in STD rates in the U.S., and the benefits of delaying sexual activity until marriage. This bill offers no such balance. Furthermore, The promotion and provision of emergency contraception could encourage sexual risk-taking and abandonment of barrier methods of contraception on public college and university campuses. At least one study has shown that increased emergency contraception availability is connected to an increase in the occurrence of sexually transmitted diseases. On May 5th, the State Senate Women's Issues Committee voted 5-1-1 to 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 advance the bill. That's five Democrats that supported the legislation, one Republican, Senator Daphne Jordan, who opposed it, and one Republican senator, Alexis Wyke, who voted aye without recommendation, which allows the bill to move forward, but indicates that the senator may vote differently when it comes up for a floor vote. The bill could see a floor vote later this year. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms urges members of the legislature to reject this legislation. It's not the only bill we're concerned about, though. The 2021 legislative session is scheduled to come to a close on June 10th, and as the end of session approaches, advocates are working to pass an objectionable sex education mandate. In a recent podcast, a representative of the New York Civil Liberties Union 
asserted that existing sex education in public schools, which at this time is not required by law, often fails to prepare students to make healthy, informed, and consensual decisions about relationships. Well, Senate Bill 2584, sponsored by Senator Samra Brook, and Assembly 6616, sponsored by Assemblymember Kathy Nolan, would require public schools, including charter schools, to offer comprehensive sex education to all students in grades K through 12, in accordance with a state-created criteria. This legislation would require the Commissioner of the New York State Education Department to create a comprehensive sexuality education program in accordance with national sexuality education standards. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms maintains that parents are responsible for preparing their children for adult decision-making on issues like marriage, family, and sexuality. We also maintain that the state of New York should leave school districts free to choose their own sex education curricula, if any at all. And if you think that public sex ed is a problem, listen to this one. Senate 3086, sponsored by Senator Salazar, and Assembly 3891 by Assemblymember Ramos, would bar anyone under the age of 18 from getting married in the state of New York. Now, that's not necessarily the problem. In 2017, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed legislation prohibiting anyone under the age of 17 from marrying in New York. This 2017 law also requires that any 17-year-old wishing to marry obtain a court order and parental consent. The purpose of the law was to prevent vulnerable young people from being forced into marriage. Before 2017, teens aged 14 and up were allowed to marry if they obtained a court order and parental consent. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms opposes this bill. First of all, this bill is a solution without a problem. The sponsors of the legislation have not pointed to any data showing that the 2017 law has been ineffective in preventing forced marriages. Second, this bill would increase the minimum marriage age without making a corresponding increase to the age of consent to sexual intercourse, which in New York is 17. Doing this would create a public policy in favor of premarital sex in the state of New York. Third, there is an inconsistency in this legislation. If 17-year-olds are not ready to consent to marriage, how can they be ready to consent to sexual activity? So long as this legislation does not include a corresponding increase in the age of consent to sexual intercourse, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms will continue to oppose it. And on another matter, New York's 2019 abortion expansion bill, known as the Reproductive Health Act, made national news due to its callous disregard for the health of women and the lives of the unborn. One of the many egregious provisions of the RHA was its removal of all abortion-related crimes from the criminal code. The LIVE Act, Senate 2129, sponsored by Senator Daphne Jordan, and Assembly 4843, sponsored by Assemblyman David DiPietro, would restore some protections for pregnant women and unborn babies that the RHA removed from New York law. The LIVE Act would make it a Class D felony for a person who is aware of a woman's pregnancy to intentionally injure her. Under the LIVE Act, perpetrators of such injuries would face punishment whether or not their crimes result in harm to an unborn child. The bill is named for Livabru, a military veteran from the Bronx who was stabbed by her boyfriend six times while she was pregnant. While Abru survived the attack, 
her unborn child did not. The LIVE Act explicitly excludes abortion providers from its provisions. Therefore, pro-choice members of the legislature should have no objection to it. Furthermore, if they truly are pro-choice, they should support legislation that protects a woman's right to choose to carry her pregnancy to term. Accordingly, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms calls upon the legislature to pass the LIVE Act as soon as possible. And finally, there are two new developments in the ongoing fight against the legalization of physician-assisted suicide in New York. First, in my capacity as a leader of the New York Alliance Against Assisted Suicide, I debated Corinne Carey, the director of Compassion and Choices New York, the pro-assisted suicide lobby. The debate was hosted by Senator Phil Boyle, a Republican from East Islip. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms values the opportunity to engage in the public marketplace of ideas by engaging in these types of debates. The more that voters hear about physician-assisted suicide, the more opportunities they will have to realize how dangerous it is. I'll tell you a little more about the debate in a minute, but you should also know that Senator Diane Savino, a Democrat from Staten Island, introduced the Senate version of the physician-assisted suicide bill on April 30th. The bill, now known as Senate 6471, sponsored by Senator Savino, and Assembly 4321, sponsored by Assemblywoman Amy Pollan, has not yet been considered at the committee level in the Senate or in the Assembly. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms aims to keep it that way. For several years, our organization has been working successfully with our allies at the New York Alliance Against Assisted Suicide to push back against assisted suicide. This year's legislative session is scheduled to end on June 10th. From now until then, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms will continue communicating with legislators, strategizing with allies, and educating the public to help prevent physician-assisted suicide from being legalized. Now about that debate, many have been asking how they can watch it. They'd like to hear for themselves the arguments for and against assisted suicide. If you'd like to see that debate, we're going to make the video available in this month's live stream. As you know, once a month we bring a video to you, and normally it's live. This will be pre-recorded, but we're going to play that debate in its entirety on Tuesday, May 11th at 7 o'clock. You can sign up to receive that debate and be able to watch it at albanyupdate.com slash live. At albanyupdate.com slash live, we'll make that video available and you can see the debate over assisted suicide. Now, a lot of points are raised by both sides. One of the key arguments that those advocating for assisted suicide make is really they try to wrap it in compassionate terms and they say that people are suffering and may be in pain at death and they should have the right to end that pain to alleviate their suffering. Well, the reality is there is nothing compassionate about physician-assisted suicide for a number of reasons, and we talk about this in the debate. One of the things that revolves around this issue is it's not compassionate because you're asking people to prognosticate as to what their moment of death will be. They have to be within six months of their death to be able to qualify for assisted suicide under the proposed legislation. But I share a story of one young man who survived three years when he was given a diagnosis of four months. And there are many other stories like that. The reality is medicine is more often wrong than right when it comes to guessing when a person will die. And so it's not an act of compassion to end a life prematurely. 
Second, when it comes to the issue of pain, you're not really alleviating the suffering, you're eliminating the patient. And that's a vast difference. We can alleviate pain in people's lives. We can help them lessen the pain. We can make them comfortable even through some very difficult circumstances in their final days. But we don't believe that the appropriate response is simply to eliminate the patient. You've heard the phrase, to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, quite literally, we are saying to throw the patient out with the tumor. That is not what we ought to be pursuing as public policy here in the state of New York. It's also a short-sighted policy because so much of what we do tries to counter suicide in our society. It's a problem. And yet, when it comes to this issue, we seem to imply that suicide is okay for some, but not for others. The reality is, suicide is always wrong. It's not something that should be pursued. We should discourage it for all people. But if we say it's okay for those that are experiencing certain levels of pain, well, where does that stop? Where does it end? Do we say it's just physical pain? Or is it also emotional and mental pain, torment that people go through, deep despair or grief? The reality is, we ought to be encouraging people to reject suicide, assisted or otherwise. And that's one of the points that I raise in this debate. So I would encourage you to visit albanyupdate.com slash live to participate in this month's live stream. You'll also be able to watch that video on demand. It's not as live as normal, but we think it's an important conversation that should be seen by many across the state of New York. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate, Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.